We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, I don't know any other way to put it than this. In the last 48 hours, Arsenal have surpassed Tottenham's Trophy Hall for the last decade. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. They have the Audi Cup. We have the MLS Skills Challenge and MLS All-Star Game. So that's it. I mean, we were neck and neck with them. I'd say we were basically even. But now we we pulled slightly ahead of Tottenham um, on the scale of their uh, critical uh, trophy hall that they have. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everybody got a chance to see the All-Star Game. I know the kickoff time was not particularly conducive to certain parts of the world, including North London and those in the environs. So uh, hopefully you got to see some of the highlights. We're going to be discussing that game, maybe a little bit of the skills challenge nonsense, and one or two transfer rumors, uh, Kudus and Batello, uh, two rumors that we may want to get stuck into. But I have to admit, I am a sucker for preseason lately. I think there are things you can take away from it. If Paul were here, he'd tell you, that's the real season because, you know, we haven't heard that enough. Clive would tell you that's the real season pointing at himself. Anyway, uh, so this is going to be a chance to, I think, first of all, get excited about our first look at some of our new signings, including Declan Rice, who made his Arsenal debut, which is really exciting. So before I kick on with that, let me just say uh, after this, I'll be hopping on a plane to New York. A lot of FOMO about all the fun stuff that happened in D.C. Looking forward to get stuck in all the stuff that's happening in New York uh, with Andrew Ars blog, obviously, can't wait for that. LA with Tim and, and again with Andrew, it's going to be great. So looking forward to just a week or so of fantastic events and being close to the club because that's really what it's all about. And hopefully meeting a lot of wonderful people um, in both places. So I really look forward to that. And uh, the podcast should continue as scheduled, though, so no fear there. Here with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. I should mention, by the way, uh, Women's World Cup kicking off, and we'll try to have some coverage of that. The thing that's going to make it tricky, Tim traveling halfway around the world to be in L.A., uh, the timing of the games with the World Cup being in Sydney and with myself being away as well, it's just all happening at a, at a tricky time to get content out for that. But to the extent that we can do some some stuff covering that, definitely working on it. So we haven't forgotten about it, just need to fit everything into a very busy schedule at the moment. Clive, 
First of all, congratulations on Arsenal being champions of MLS All-Star and MLS <laughs> Skills Challenge trophies. I mean, uh, did you run around with your top off? Did you, you know, pour some champagne down your front? What was the what was the celebration for you? I'm 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 waiting for the parade, right? So um I'm not sure what country that parade's gonna be in, but I'm waiting for it. So uh yeah, yeah. it's all fun, fun, fun. Nothing, it is. nothing I mean, everything... to see wrong here, is there? <laughs> Everything's feeling pretty good. I mean, we've recovered from what I think was a pretty unfortunate hiccup and potentially concerning result against Nuremberg with a decisive victory over MLS All-Stars. So it's it's trending in the right direction. Let's get the let's get the jokes out of the way and get into the serious stuff. And I think the best way to break this game down is probably first half, second half. Um first half, you know, there are there are a few things that I think stood out. But I kind of wanted to talk to you and pick your tactical brain about the first half because we saw a midfield of Jorginho, Trossard, and Fabio Vieira. Yep. And in the second half, we saw sort of a Havertz and Odegaard attacking midfield pivot with, with Declan Rice, which was fun, behind them. Um, I don't think Mikel wastes time on the pitch, and I think that we saw something similar in Nuremberg. And so to me, Clive, what I'm taking away from the early preseason is that the intention is to get a little bit more attack-minded with those two eights, that that left eight now with Shaka gone is not going to be more of a a, a box-to-box six-stroke eight. It's going to be more of a true eight. And I'm curious if you are drawing some of the same early conclusions and what you thought of um, that that midfield, in particular, Jorginho, Fabio Vieira, and, and Trissard. Yeah, so sometimes in preseason you get selections which are, you know what, mate, I'm going to play you here because I want you to get minutes. I might play out of position, but you need to get minutes. I want you to get minutes in the toughest part of the game. And the toughest part of the game is normally the start. When the other team are fresh, they're keyed out, they want to make an impression. And so, for example, when you see Eddie on the left wing, nothing to see here. Eddie's just getting some minutes in. Could have put Jesus out there, chose to put Jesus in the middle because he wants to see that continuity there. And that worked mm-hmm. out pretty well for the first goal. So you see things like that. Then you look at Trossard. Did he mean think, it? Did he mean it? Because I've seen he, people suggest it's a it. cross. I think, nah. of course he meant it. Of course he meant across it. Across to who? Okay, across you. to his mum in the crowd? No, no, no. He meant it, right? <laughs> so um, so now Trossard now starting in that left attacking mid position two games in a row now. Tells you something. Now, at 28, 29 years of age, as we spoke to previously earlier, his future's not on the left wing. His future is in a rotational position in that area of the pitch. So when he starts inside, he rolls outside anyway. But I don't, and he's not obviously he can play outside as a controlling wide man. But his eyes are probably in the in the interior because he knows. You know, I don't know many thirty year old wingers that want to sprint up and down. Do you know what I mean? And so his his future's inside, and he makes that look really really good. Um, Fabio Vieira now two two selections on the right half of the pitch, which I like. No more left half of the pitch. So you're starting to see a bit of consistency there. The back four, nothing too exciting there. Keep your playing left back again where well, we know he can do it. We know if he roll around to a three, he's happy as an outside centre back. I think his introduction in the team, I, I, I like this player. I, I really like him and what he can be. Again, 22 years of age and just settling into a new team, new language, his ability on the ball. Can I, can I ask you about him? Oh. Yeah, go D- ahead. Just mate. quickly, did, did did you see the um the skills challenge? Yeah, I saw so the skills challenge. They 
they had um they had that shooting challenge, the target shooting challenge. The two best players were Timber and Kibior. Kibior hit like everything, <laughs> just yeah, so yeah. casual, so clean. And I mean, he's shown in these first two preseason games some serious. I hate to use the word techers because I'm too old to use it, but I, I want to use it because I, I want to feel young again. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's shown some serious some well, serious this, quality on the ball. This is what we have to do as fans, right? And sometimes being patient's not the easiest thing, particularly when it's a bit bit tetchy. Remember the Anfield game when we brought him on late in the game and he only had two or three minutes on the pitch and people were after him, right? So and I was and I was thinking, well, no, that's not correct. And um it he came into the game into our team later in the season and as a right centre back, and maybe we should have got him in there quicker. Right? Because he's showing some real to come into a team on your wrong foot, it's really hard to do, you know, new country, new career, the top best league in the world. We scouted him earlier and we saw a lot of this on the ball personality, didn't we? You know, we saw a lot mm-hmm. of these switch diagonals and passing. It was only a matter of time when you feel comfortable in your skin to feel like it's okay. Sometimes when you're playing football, you need to feel like it's okay to fail. And when you come in, you don't want to lose a trust of your teammates, so you play safe. Now he's starting to ping the ball, which means he's he's accepted. It's okay for him to fail, so he's taking the risk of passes on. And I think when we're watching, we have to allow people that time to feel comfortable. And for some people, it, it takes about 20 seconds. For some people, it might take six months. So. Mm. Yeah, I think we're learning about some of these players that you know arrived either in January, like Trissard and Kivior, or obviously the ones who are arriving this summer. Um, yeah, the, the Kivior thing is interesting. I, he he just we saw in the scouting video that he was good on the ball, but he really is confident and comfortable on the ball. I think he needs to be maybe just a little bit more careful about recognizing that he's playing in a role where you can't give the ball away. There have been a few times, both against Nuremberg and against MLS All-Stars, where he was a little loose. And as we've seen, whether it's Zinchenko there or Kivior there, looseness in that position leaves us quite exposed. Yeah. So just something you know, for him to Do you know the thing that's really important in that position, though, Elliot, is that you show personality to go and get the ball and mm-hmm. to relieve the stress of other people. And every now and again, you're going to make a mistake. But the the, the worst mistakes for me are when you run into areas where you can't receive the ball, yeah, and you can't help your teammate out, that means you don't belong in the team for me. right? So the fact he's showing that personality to show his body to receive it is top. If he makes a mistake, you know what? You can, you can in preseason, when your feet get sharp or your legs are not dead, those mistakes will reduce. Do you see what I mean? So I think the initial movement mm. is what's really important when you're trying to scout a player does he really want the ball? And can he look after it eight times out of ten? If he does, great. I can fix him for the other nut to make it nine out of ten. Do you know what I mean? But I can't fix that person yeah. if, he's, if he's hiding. I can't fix that. You know? So um, either stop hiding or get out of the club. <laughs> you know, that's serious. It's, it's that yeah, serious. no kidding. I, I agree. And and so, well, I just want to say this about Trissard. First of all, obviously, his goal is beautifully well taken. It's going to be tedious. It's going to get really old really fast. But throughout this season, there's going to be a lot of comparing what the left eight players give us versus what Shaka gave us last season. Uh, Shaka, by the way, gave us a lot of goals and assists, which was not something we expected, but just the different dynamic. That's going to be a thing people are looking for. And you look at the goals our left eights scored you know, in, in Havertz in the second half and Trissard in the first half, they're different types of play and different types of goals than maybe we would have gotten with, with the guy we had playing there last season. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes. Um, I thought Trissard was great. I, I really do believe 
that he is a player who look whether it's false nine or left eight or whatever looks better the closer he is to the center of the pitch you know and as you pointed out Clive at, at this stage of his career I don't think he's going to be a wide player for us um we'll talk a bit about Martinelli in a moment but the other thing that I wanted to just tease out of the first half performance a little bit was William Saliba second chance to see him this preseason he's just something special Clive he didn't have too much in this game. they weren't very good but just when he had to turn on the Jets a few times, makes up the ground, put a shoulder into someone, they try to close him down, and he just kind of shimmies and gets past you. He plays with a bit of an impudence, too, that that says, like, I know I'm good at this. You know, there, there's certain defenders that are decent on the ball, but they're nervous on the ball, and so you see the nerves come out. Like, a guy like Harry Maguire comes to mind for me. I think Harry Maguire can play on the ball, but he gets so nervous. He just makes the silliest mistakes. Saliba just plays with impudence in his game that I love. And and I'm wondering if you if you see anything in his game that suggests he's got a way way to go before he's back or if he looks all the way back to you already. No, no, no. I suppose it's just he, it's just fun watching him, right? So when he when he when he decides to accelerate, <laughs> when he decides to accelerate, you almost find yourself smiling. You think, oh dear, you're in trouble now. He's going to get you, and he just gets you. Just <laughs> <And then laughs> takes the ball away He's from the opponent, and then he he moves out of that area, and then plays a lovely pass, and we've got the ball where we're off and running. It's just like, oh crikey! Hey, look, he's. Uh, I'm just pleased to see that he's being managed back into the, into the group. And um, you said the word there is how how they make you feel. He makes you feel really comfortable, you know. And I do. I will say though. We've got a group of defenders that look really good on the ball, and defenders are now really deep line midfielders of yesteryear. And we've got a number of our defenders mm. could play in, could play DM, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? They could play in there, and uh, <laughs> no one would worry. You know, and um, and so the game has moved on now, where your def- your defenders are judged by the amount of progressive passes that they make. <laughs> That's the first place you guys go. Mm. I think, hold on a minute, can you can you tackle and shout out the light? But he can do both, right? So we're very fortunate, aren't we? So very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, just great. And and then last but not least, I think, um, you know, we, we look, it was 32 degrees Celsius, 89 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. 70% humidity, not a great pitch. It is a fitness exercise first and foremost. So you want to be, I think what you want to do is make observations that may carry forward, that may have ramifications for what happens in the future without drawing conclusions based on the performance itself. Yeah. But I, I did want to get your thoughts on Eddie out wide. I mean, I, I think Eddie and Kedia has the ability to be a good striker for someone in the Premier League. Maybe not Arsenal, but someone in the Premier League. I think he's got good straight runs. I think he's good in the box. Um, he, he has things about him that I think can make him a quality striker. Yeah. Out wide, I'm not as sure if his uh, ability to get into the game and, and vary his runs and be sophisticated on the ball. He had a couple times late where he flashed, late in the half where he made runs. But as I watched them... They're a bit straight, right? There wasn't a ton of guile about about how he does it. And, yeah. you know, by the way, like like I said, preseason, so on and so forth. But also, um, you know, there was one time where he had a run straight up the left half space, and and I think it was Trissard overlapping, and he decided to take it on himself to a foul. I, yeah. I, I like Eddie as an option at striker. I'm not sure his game is as suited to playing out wide. I'm not sure that's going to yeah. be as, as strong. As and, and, you, and, and you don't have to worry about that, Elliot, because if Martinelli was was fitter, <laughs> he would have started. If Reese Nelson was in mm-hmm. the building and not had a toe injury, he would have started. If Smith Rowe mm-hmm. was fitter, oh, sorry, not just back from his 
under 21 exploits, he would have started. This is where I see things slightly different. This is where I was way more impressed with Eddie this game than the last game because he did a great job for his coach. He filled in in that role, and I thought he worked really hard, bought fouls, carried the ball out, and he did something that's not his game. And I thought it was a really good performance from him. I, I didn't care about the execution per se, because we're better than them, right? The standard is that the difference is marked. But that's the sort of, I bet you the coach is really happy with him today. Really happy because he, he filled in and he filled in with the right attitude. He didn't sulk because I'm not playing centre forward. He filled in and did it properly, defended properly, worked back, carried, did everything that, we, that we'd expect to see from our wide men, knowing that's not who he really is. You know, so that's when I really praise him. You know me, I'm not, I'm not slow to give him a kick, but he deserves a bit of a clap on the back today. Yeah, by the way, another, another group of people that deserve a pat on the back, um, the Arsenal fans <laughs> at the game. I mean, we heard the Saliba mm. chant go up. It was largely Arsenal fans that was being remarked upon a lot. I mean, it may sound silly, but this was the MLS All-Star game, right? It's 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 a showpiece game for, for MLS, and uh, the Arsenal fans really represented and and showed up, so that was great. Um, well, like, by the way, I, like, I do have to laugh. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, sorry, man. Are you, you I, I just watched it briefly. You probably watched it live and got everything around it, but mm-hmm. I watched it this morning once I woke up. It looked to me that we were totally dominant in the, in the stadium, fan-wise. Is, is that right? I mean, it looked like 90%. Is that too too crazy? Or I mean, I, I thought so, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was an Arsenal game. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it really was. Um, and it was funny because I think they were panning the crowd at one point and all the Arsenal Player, all the Arsenal fans are cheering and stuff. And I think there was one sad Chelsea fan, like with a thumbs down. And I'm like, mate, <laughs> it's only going to get worse for you. Stand by. Um, uh, yeah. So, so I look all in all. The, oh, this is what I want to say. Sorry. So Balogun was asked after the game about the intensity of the game, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. I tried to find it real quick, but um, I don't have it handy. He was basically like, no. Mikel took this deadly seriously. The guy's super yeah, intense. I see that. He wanted us to play mm-hmm. this game, you know, like a full game. And and it's just, I have to laugh at Mikel. The guy is an absolute madman. And in any other walk of life, I don't know if he'd be well received or, um, you know, if that behavior would be tolerated. But he is very fortunate to have found football and to be so good as a football manager because his mentality is elite. But he is, I mean, he is switched on at all times. And you could tell that the team approached this game. With with seriousness, they serious, with intensity, they yeah. look serious. Elliot, I I I overplay, overblow preseason anyway. I always have done, and I really enjoy it. But I there was a level of seriousness here. You can see that the players are super engaged. They all know competition; it's on. They all know they're being looked at in certain positions. It's on, mate. You can just see it, can't you? You can mm-hmm. just see it. Just look at their faces. They flash a Declan Rice on the bench, and he's studying the play. He's studying it as it's going on. You're yeah. thinking, when you get on, you've got to find your role. I mean, you guys that are listening, you're, not, you're just like us, right? You look at every single thing and over <laughs> and over-index it. Um, but we can, we can all see. I don't know about you. I feel, I feel really excited mate I, yeah. I feel really excited I can't I can't hold it back I feel really excited I look at the screen I look at the 
the players. I look at how they look, how they move, the seriousness by which they move. I look at their speed. I look at their size. I'm looking at it going, oh my goodness. You know, this is good. The and we're not ready. No. It, it, and and it, they picked up like they, they, you know, like the season never ended. I've got the quote, by the way, Balogun on how serious Arteta took the match. Deadly serious. I won't even lie. He's a relentless man, as you've seen. What you see with him is what you get. He's very demanding. And of course, that's a good mentality for us. I mean, he, you just know, like someone someone probably got a rocket at halftime for misplacing a pass or something in the MLS All-Star game. I love it. Honestly, by the way, this he, is he's a, the he's largest margin man. of victory. Yeah, I should just say lar- largest margin of victory for any team in MLS All-Star game history. So another... Um, Another proud moment for a, a club steeped in history and tradition. Second half, Clive. Um, mm-hmm. If I told you that we played MLS All-Stars and dominated them, and in the second half, all of our new signings played, and I asked you to guess the one who had the starring role and caught the eye the most, the guy we're about to talk about might have been third on the list, but he's first on the list I have to talk about. Urian Timber is an absolute player. When we scouted him, we were real excited about him. The way the Ajax people talk about him, he's something special. They were willing to let Lissandro Martinez go because they wanted to hold on to Timber for another season. This, I mean, it it is getting carried away to say this looks like a steal. And as Tim has often said, the most popular guy at the club for the first yep. six weeks is usually the new signing. So with all those caveats in place, I think he might be the best player in the Premier League. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think you can't surprise me, you do. Right? So, um, so basically, Erling who? Uh, basically, it's a. Uh, how do you want to do? It? Do you want, do you want to do Timber and Havertz together? I mean, how, how do you want to do it? Well, I, mean, I just I just want to know. Like the thing with Timber, as I watch him, is, and I realize we're going to have to see him defend a bit more. But frankly, we're not a team that does a lot of defending in the traditional sense in most games. That player that I saw out there, and by the way, also dominated the skills challenge. Like that player is someone I'm gonna I'm gonna want on the pitch. And I think we're, what's gonna get tricky. And if I could ask Mikel a question, I'd want to ask him this. Now that the club have backed you with funds, and now that you've strengthened the squad, and now that it's looking as deep as it is, as a manager, how do you start to think about how you use all these tools you've been given? Because the thing the second half really lodged into my brain, Clive, is I'm like, we had a pretty good darn team out there the first half we changed everybody in the second half we had a pretty great team out there the second half it, it is the case that you're in timber you look at him and you think surely there's got to be a way to get that guy on the pitch but at whose expense so you, you know you know me i love to worry about lineups and first 11s and things it's like my my favorite thing in the world there'll be minutes for everybody but that guy looks like he he wants to come take someone's place you know yeah, and that's what and that's what he should do, right? So, um, but I'm just I just as you were talking, I flipped onto Sofa Score and I thought, let me just look at the bench that Man City had for the Champions League final. And on there, you had Foden, you had Walker, you had Laporte, you had Rico Lewis, you had Calvin Phillips. I mean, you had Julian Alvarez and you had Riyad Mahrez on their bench for the Champions League final. So, if you want to win yeah. these big stuff, mate, you know what I'm going to say, didn't you? You know, you know. We, we got we to get used squad. to it. So yeah. Tim, we need a squad, and so Timber now, for example, Carl Walker didn't play in that final. It might cost him because he might fancy Bayern Munich. But Timber, what did we see when we saw him? And I, I called him like an ankle snatcher, right? He either breaks your ankles like a like Alan Iverson used to do when he's got the ball, and he bites your ankles when he's when he's trying to press into you, right? So 
he's, he's an ankle snatcher. Honestly, he's how he uses his sort of drop of the shoulder turning circles really, really good. And he's just very, very proactive. You know, and what stood out when we scouted him in it, when we watched him, was the different places on the pitch where he was doing things. And it was it was at centre back, it was at right back, it's at right wing, it was at left back, it was at left wing, it was driving into the centre forward position. It was literally all over the pitch. And so what I like mm-hmm. about his potential with us is I think he solves about eight problems on any given day. He'll be in every single match day squad. And, and he will play most games at some role in some in somewhere, depending on the problem we're trying to solve. Because that's what he looks like to me. And very, very interesting. I Actually, if I watch him, and I'll be honest with you, and I watch him, I really see something nice and unique and punchy and proactive and front-footed. But aesthetically, the way he, he kicks the ball and the way he does things is a little bit not smooth, but it get everything works. Do you see what I mean? I can't describe it. Everything works. His intelligence and everything works. So what's that? You don't nothing to see here, basically. Do you see what I mean? So um, for first game, it looked pretty good, didn't it? it looked pretty good. It looked really good, and it's really exciting. And like the interesting thing is that I, I, originally, I, I think my sort of my rookie take would be, uh oh, this is competition for Ben White the way he's playing and what he can do in progression and in midfield, you wonder if it's not more of an alternative to a Zinchenko in certain situations or certain games. Or he, both. Is. Um, he is. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's why preseason and that's why the last two games of last season mattered because Kivior played left back last season, last two games of last season. And basically we were looking at a situation where now you can see a situation where we invert from the right hand side and so those 17 games Zinchenko missed last season won't hurt us as much. What we've done, we've created a Zinchenko option where he doesn't have to play every game, you know, because we can still be who we want to be. So, yeah, you've nailed it, mate. I think he's a Zinch- the pressure's not just on Ben White, it's on Zinchenko. And, and by know, the if way, our left hand side steps on, we're Zinchenko's in a bit of tr- problems. Does that mean? Mm-hmm. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I mean, Zinchenko's still a fantastic player and an important player for us, but I think. He- setting aside even the question of whether it's about talent, ability, fit, any of that, Zinchenko's just not going to be available for you at certain times of the season. There's certain plays you just need to know about, know that about yeah. them, right? Um, yeah. Like the thing about Granit Xhaka that we've gone on and on about for so long is the one thing you knew about Granit Xhaka is he was always going to be available. And that makes it pretty easy for you to plan. Zinchenko, you have to know there's going to be times he's not and he might have to manage him. And now we have some ways to do that that are looking pretty darn interesting. Um, so, so yeah, Urian Timber, special player, excited to see how he grows into, you know, grows into the squad and and what what tweaks that gives us. We saw, you know, what I'm going to set Declan Rice and Kai Havertz aside for a minute because it's easy to just get excited about the shiny new things, Clive. Yeah, but it would be wrong not to observe just the absolute stunning star quality of our captain. And like we signed a guy in Declan Rice for 105 million pounds. Everyone's like, he could be a future Arsenal captain. And I don't know. I see Mikel Arteta carrying Martin Odegaard on his shoulders. It's disrespectful. Martin Odegaard's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. He's Mr. Arsenal right now. We are lucky to have him. And then what does he do? He comes out in the MLS All-Star game, having been yeah, a little bit injured for the Nuremberg game. And he's like, oh, I think I'll just be the best player on the pitch by a thousand miles. The guy was 
imperious, sensational to watch. And, you know, he's going right into the heart of his prime right now, Clive. And as I watched him that night, I'm thinking, you know, he quietly put up, what, 15 and 10 or something this last season. I think there's more. I think there's more he can do and will do. He looked incredible, didn't he? Well, yeah, he, he did. And more importantly, he gives you the impression that he wants to give more. That's the mm-hmm. thing that he's not satisfied with 15 open play goals. <laughs> he wants to do more. And um, I have to be honest with you, I can't help but look at the two of them together, Havertz and him, and I'm yeah, incredibly excited. Oh, my goodness. And some people are going to say they're not going to play their club. It's not going to work. Havertz is going to play false nine. Yeah, honestly, people... That's that. Havertz probably will play false nine on occasions. When we're struggling to get out from the press, you can see Jesus going to left wing and Hazard's going centre forward, and that's going over the press. And we've got somebody six foot one hundred to hit. You see the size of his chest on that. Do you see the size of him? The size of him has surprised me actually. Um, the kickoff from the second mm. from the second half straight to him wins it in the air, wins it like a forward wins a header, you know, and not like a defender wins a header. Wins it, lays it down. We get the penalty. His presence is a, is a new tool for us. And, you know, so it's just it, like anybody. Like, I could see some of the tweets you were sending last night. Oh, and, and Paul talk about Timber. And I thought, oh, let me, you know, Paul's, you know, Paul's like, he tries to own the player, right? So, like, <laughs> so, like, um, so and Paul, so like, I thought, oh, this is exciting. Let me watch the Timber game. But I found my eyes going to, to Havertz, actually, because I'm of the opinion that. I know who Odegaard is, and we can only hope it just continues. We can, we got a view of who Rice could be if he plays in that role, but the left sided attacking mid role is the for me where the ceiling of the team is. And if Havertz does that role as he could do, and he could be very very special there, and um, and so that's the one I'm looking at the most, and how he moves, and how he integrates, and how he moves the ball. Because it's new, right? It's new. And I'm not sure how it's going to feel and look over a longer period of time. So um, that's my eyes were drawn Did you see Mikel's quotes on him? He said tonight he played central attacking mid, um, but he gives us a lot of options. When we need to beat a press, he can be a target man. We'll use him in a a variety of different positions. I think um, there's been a lot of debate around this left eight. Oh, that's not a thing. He won't do that. Or it is a thing. Or whatever the case may be. I mean, these first couple of games, he certainly looks like he's played as part of the midfield group. Um, the Odegaard Havertz thing gives us a lot of possible, you know, ways to, to take teams apart, but could you see, you know, could you see him playing as target man? Do you think he'll, he'll move around yeah, more than he does? It, is it to get Trissard in there, for example? I mean, how, how do you see that rotation happening? Yeah, I, I do see him as a, as a center forward on occasions. And it may be on occasions when we have two sprinters on the outside of him. You know, and um, I think that would be important. So you can see, uh, I was speaking the other day on a, on a podcast. If I'm the manager now, I'm thinking about creating another way of playing. So we have strong principles in our way of playing. But on an occasion when you're looking to rest people or get people into roles that suit them more, rather than have a box, we could play with a diamond in the middle of the pitch. And and that would allow other players to have their roles and we're not missing some of our key people so much, but create solidity in the middle of the pitch and maybe do different things at fullback. Have fullbacks take the space that a diamond gives you on the outside. If I am the manager, I'm thinking of another way of playing for that day where we're going to need it, when injury and tiredness 
force us into a change of key personnel. And what we've done in the past is we try to shoehorn people into the one way of playing where maybe a slight tweak in system would allow some of the principles to be maintained, but you're getting people into areas of the pitch where they can be more successful. I think that's less of a problem right now because all of our players seem to be able to stand wherever they like and be successful. And that's due to the, the one-dimensional players are coming out of the group. So we've got multi-dimensional players that can play in the interior and exterior. So, but I, w- I do think if I'm him, I'm thinking about another way of playing. Give me a two-striker system. Do we have a four-diamond two or four-four-two system? And what would that look like? And who could fill those positions? And I would definitely think about that. Um, but someone's probably shouting at me right now. The system's not important. It's the roles you give them, et cetera, et cetera. I mm. get it. But we do think we have to find another way. You know, a break glass system. Do you see what I mean? When we're in a bit of trouble, what do we go to? Yeah. You know, we, we, we haven't had that last mm-hmm. two years. So, makes sense? It is pretty exciting, I think, that we can get 30 minutes into this podcast um, without having yet discussed the debut of our 105 million pound signing because there was so much other interesting stuff happening out there. We did get to see mm-hmm. Declan Rice and he did some pointing. He did some moving around. He did some recycling of the ball. He took a shot that I'm convinced was going in if it hadn't been blocked. Yeah, he um, was. It was. But yeah. aside from that, yeah, I mean, this wasn't a game where we needed to win a midfield battle, frankly. So he just kind of recycled the ball, did it nicely, one touch, off you go. We didn't get any of that. We got one fun carrying run forward towards the edge of the box. Yeah. But Easy I mean, all, all I think you see is wow, there's a big athletic guy standing in the middle of our midfield that's going to be lovely to have around uh, any any real takeaways from his performance because I, I don't want to overdo it the fact of the matter is it wasn't like i said a midfield battle kind of game he came on i'm glad he's he's no. made his debut if you if if you watch him when you watch him play for england we're playing like Macedonia north macedonia or something like that he jogs through those games just knocks it moves it around mm. when it gets tough he he gets tough right so I think these easier games for him, he did exactly the right thing. Sometimes you just have a look at him and there was there was a breakaway. I think the goalkeeper had the ball in his hands and he kicked it long and, and, and Rice ran into left-back position to track them down. Didn't quite stop the cross. But when he was in left-back position out there facing a winger, I didn't think there's a red card coming. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean by that? I didn't think, oh my gosh, he's, out, he's caught out on the left wing and he's going to get run. I didn't feel that. And so his defensive awareness, we all know about it. We've, watched all, we've all watched the YouTube, so we're, we're, we're expecting that. Again, it's just purely on vision, Elliot. I think um, we got players that look good in the tunnel now, don't we? You know, and I think that's really, that's really key. Yeah. We've got tunnel players that look good, mate. We've gotten bigger. Yeah. yeah. We look good. I loved, um, we look good. it's worth mentioning. I mean, he, he looked great. I, I, we should at least mention it. You know I love Martinelli. I just love him so much. Um, what a player he is. And uh, Odegaard's pass to him. I get it. It's a bad defensive line. He times his run well. He angles it. It's still pretty easy. I get it. The Odegaard pass is lovely, though. It's perfect weight. He comes on to it. And this is a guy who I just think that's his favorite thing to do is get in front of goal and <laughs> breaking away and, and slots it beautifully. I, yeah. So one, the one I, thing I will I, say is There's that, certain players that... Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
No, no you can't. I'm just going to say there's certain players that I connect with, and he and, and yeah, I yeah. connect with Martinelli. I, I love the Martinelli energy. You know. So I will I will say something now because we're, we're we're having a bit of fun. Talk about preseason. We're all excited. The kits out there. Everyone's going to go and buy it, aren't you? <laughs> the kits out there, and um, we all look we all look sharp, and we're doing our thing, getting fitter. But I don't know about you, but every single game it feels to me. That Pakaya Saka does the first thing that allows us to score, you know. So mm-hmm. he scored in the other game. He, this game, he match. makes it. He makes the two stretching runs that gets him behind for Trotter's goal and for Jesus's goal. He's like the guy that does the first thing that breaks mm-hmm. the game open, and I'm really in recency here, and so I almost I I'm open to criticism, but I want to see. I don't want to be so reliant on that player. He's so good. Mm. He is world-class. He's literally jogging to world-class performances. You know, it's just mm-hmm. incredible. He's not even fit. He's not even running yet properly. <laughs> you know, and um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, how he's so good. So it's really good to see Martin Lee come on and stretch the team the other side and then back to your point, give us that penetration which we need. I just think the two of them are so imperious. I just want to see a, another solution, really, alongside them. Uh, I, I don't know who that's going to be or who we'd yep. be happy with, you know, because they're so good. Yeah, they they really are. And I, I think the reason I, I warmed to Martinelli so much is he's a highly paid professional footballer. But when he scores a goal, it's like you're watching your child in the backyard or something. He just seems so happy to score. He has this like childlike joy when he scores a goal that that belies the superstardom that is that is within him, and it's it just infectious for me. I, speaking of a, a child, um, Marquinhos, I just want to mention him. I think there's something that, you know. I there was a part of me that kind of like the way he went out on loan last year, or last season. We didn't really hear much about him, and just wondering, you know, is that one that maybe his future lies elsewhere in it? It may still, it may may yeah. may well do, but I thought he looked good there. I thought he did the things he needed to do. He's isolated out on the wing a decent amount and made the right decisions, good distribution. Uh, is it his cross for Havertz? I yes, it is. Yeah, it was. Goal? It was his cross. Wrong, yeah. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. So, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on him? I mean, we get to see some players in preseason that usually, you know, that may wind up going off on loan. But as we saw with Saliba, three seasons of being out on loan doesn't mean you can't have a great Arsenal career. I think there's maybe something there. And the thing I will say about him that I do see, there is a physicality in his game and an intensity in his game that I'm sure Mikel likes. He he is willing to get stuck into the challenge. He's willing to be physical. Um, yeah. He's he's not, you know, if you if you compare with someone like Vieira, for example, who, you know, needs to add that robustness, the intensity and robustness are not an issue in Marquinhos's game. S- similar low center of gravity to like a, a Bukayo. Any thoughts on on seeing him play as in terms of whether there may be something there? We'll see when the standard goes up because he, he came into a group last year in Europa League and did quite well. Obviously, he struggled with the language, so they kept him a little bit longer. Loaned him in January, went to Norwich, did okay. I think he got sent off in one of his early games. He got rescinded, but it unsettled him. He didn't he didn't shoot the lights out there. Did okay. He's come back. We need to see how he fits back into the group and what the, what the plan is. Let's see what happens, right? Because he can post up, receive it back to goal. People bounce off his backside, he rolls inside. So we're used to seeing that, aren't we? We're used to seeing that view. So we recognize him. So our eyes go to him. Just not sure of his level. You know, when he plays a little bit lower level, he he scores. When he does under 23s, he seems to score. 
he's just he just needs to lift his level so he can trust him in the big games. So how do you get to that level? Probably by playing. And so he's not one you have on the bench for six months. That'd be such a crime. So you need to get him playing. So I, I do see a loan coming for him, mate, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Uh, last thing from the game I think that you could probably take away is the Balogun appearance. Everybody's going to be looking at Balogun. I, I think he's probably off. But there's definitely something there with that player. I, I think it, it pops out to me a little bit. Maybe that's me looking through my American lens, no. wanting to hope that we have something special for, for our national team. But it's going to also get pretty tedious if he sticks around the, the Enkedi and Balgan comparisons because there's a lot of people that just have created a binary there, probably myself as well, of yeah. which one of those players should we keep. They're different players, Clive, and Balgan has different qualities. You know, it's, it's come to a point where I'm one should go and one seems to be on the market and one isn't on the market. So that seems pretty clear to me. And there's a price associated to Balogun. I look at his game, I look at his game from a center force perspective, running through lines, accelerating through lines, side foot finishes, step overs finishes, creating angles for himself in the box, laces, bang. He's very, very good. Some of the things we ask Eddie to do in this game, I'm not sure Balogun would do them as well. You know, and um and even though my eye goes towards that offensive center forward talent. I think there's more team-related actions I think Eddie does. and So, yeah, it's, it's, take your choice, right? I don't think there's much between them. Um, could Balogun be coached to do a lot more of the pressing, a lot more of the defensive transition reaction? Offensively, he reacts quickly. There's a chance to play the ball through, bang, shoulders on a half turn, he's gone. Defensively, when, he, when the ball's lost, does he react the same way? Does he fill in holes for people? I'm not so sure. Right, so can that be coached? Probably. Does he want to do it? Is that just not the style center forward he wants to be? Maybe. It's up for the club to decide. Does the analysts in the club to decide? But hey, look, I'm comfortable with whichever way. But again, there's money to be made on one. If someone comes in with Eddie for a, a big buy, a big number, that's an interesting debate, isn't it? I'm just not sure. I don't see that at the moment. I see Eddie being somebody that's staying at the club, and I don't see going anywhere and I don't see us keeping both yeah I think that's exactly right um, and one thing that we're going to have to get used to as the squad gets better and bigger um, there are going to be players who are happy to be a part of it in whatever role they can be and there are going to be players for whom that's not good enough and that's just how it is when you get better and better I mean even you know you look at Manchester City there have been players They've had to move on because those players don't want the role that's been given to them in that squad. And, and so we'll just have to get used to that. The key is that you cash in appropriately and you move on appropriately, um, which I, I'm sure we'll do. By the way, Smith Rowe and Thomas Party have joined up with the tour, so it'll be interested to see how they get integrated and what happens there. Because, uh, you know, we look pretty deep in this game. We look pretty pretty solid for for numbers. And that's without Party or Smith Rowe making an appearance, and, and they're now in the mix as well. But Clive, um, it's it's Manchester United this weekend. We'll be there. Look forward to it. Ahead of that, there's just some time, I think, to quickly cover a couple other rumors. The way the rumors are shaking out right now, the way it's being reported is need to sell to buy. And I don't know if that's financially we need to sell to buy or just we need to sell to move some numbers out, right? Because we, we're getting to be big. a pretty big squad right now. And the, yeah, there's one or two that need to go. We know who they are. We know which players we're probably looking to shift. Kieran Tierney, 
I think the reporting is sort of, we're happy to keep him if the offer isn't right. We're not just going to give him away, but I would imagine that we'll still try to find a move for him. Um, Balogun, we already know about. Party at the moment looks like he's staying. Uh, there's maybe one or two others, but the the rumors that are making the rounds right now, the, the two that seem like they have some teeth are Batello uh, out of Brazil and uh, Mohamed Kudus from Ajax. I'm always skeptical that you're going to take two good players from the same club in the same window. That feels a little unlikely. But uh, let's start with Kudus. That's a guy who could come in, not super experienced, still pretty young, but has the talent to play across the front three. You know, I think Bukayo Saka needs a backup, certainly someone who could play that role. What are your What are your thoughts on Kudus and the likelihood that we would raid Ajax yet again? Uh, so just quickly going back on Tierney, I watched the Newcastle v Rangers oh, yeah, yeah. game this week. Uh, he's Alan McGregor's sort of testimonial game, and he's a keeper for ages, by the way, been there for 20 years or so. And I was watching Newcastle's thing, I said, let's see what Tini can fit in. And they played Matt Target at left back, and they were whacking the ball forward to uh, Callum Wilson. You know the way Tini's got that lovely strike from deep that we don't like <laughs> in our team? We like mm-hmm. to play for the thirds. I thought to myself, He's perfect for them. <laughs> he literally can hit Callum Wilson, hit Isaac all day long with accuracy, with pace. I'm thinking, God dear. But sometimes you just fit a team better. Um, so I looked at that and thought, you need to move for your own career so you can do the things you do really, really well. And yeah. they're really, really well respected. So um, so that's one side of things. On Kudos, uh, Kudos, sorry, um, yeah, we've YouTubed him. Well, I've YouTubed him earlier because I quite, again, the first time I saw him actually was against Rangers playing for Ajax. And I thought, who's this? Right? In a Europa League game. Mm. And um, he scored. And he looks really sharp around the box. Had a few injuries. Bang, bang shooter. Can play left, all the attacking mid positions, all, all, all five of them actually. He's actually played centre four yeah. for Ajax as well. So, different league, I understand. Very punchy. A lot of acceleration. He does look like an Arsenal player. I just don't know if we have the space. You know, um, mm. space will have to be created for that type of player. You know, again, first two to top. Lane three, lane four, lane five. Doesn't matter. Both sides. But he works back and can dig in a tackle as well, can play in centre midfield. So he's he's got a lot about him. Um I'm just I can't see that I can't see adding up at the moment, mate, without understanding who's going. And that's not clear, is it, at the moment. So I'm watching this space on that. But he looks like a player that no one one th- first thing I look for Elliot is how you receive the ball. And he brings the ball in mm. and people bounce off him like Marquinhos does, like like Saka does, like Martinelli does. Everyone bounces off him and he's gone. You know, and that I recognize that, so that's why I like him. It's an interesting one. I mean, he will be 23 in a matter of days, which forces me to say he's 22 until he's 23. That's how it works, mate. Um, but he 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 will be 23 in a matter of days, coming off an 1,800-minute season, prior to which 400 minutes, 800 yeah. minutes. I mean, I, I think there have been some injury issues that have held him yeah. back. Uh, when he was 18 and 19 in the... Um, Danish Super League. He had a couple of 1,600 and 2,000-minute seasons there. But this was sort of the breakout season and still, you know, only 1,793 minutes played. I I know the video looks good, and I know he looks talented. I think you have to be a little cautious sometimes with attacking players out of that 
you know, the Dutch league because it, it can inflate those statistics dramatically. He does look good. Like I, I've done the YouTubing too, and we can do a scouting video if these links get a little bit stronger, but it would be a little bit, I think, odd to me, maybe, to go for, if we feel we really need a guy like, for example, the Bukayo Saka backup, someone we can bring in and trust in a title competing season, to bring in a guy with injury question marks who's played as as little as he has like that would i just wonder if that's the right time to make that move um and if he would even get the minutes to develop as a player there but it, it's really hard to find the goldilocks player that fits the that fits the situation so we'll see what happens i know people there are people that really really like the player what about um what about Batello? i'm not gonna pretend i know anything about him um other than that we are linked with him yeah, basically, um, some total my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, twenty-three-year-old Brazilian. Um, I've done the YouTubing, and what do I see? Again, do I see things? Because I want to see him. Because I know the gaps in our in our squad, and he played most of his games right wing or right mid last season. You know, the majority of his games. But again, he's a, he's a right footer with good carrying, good transition skills. You know, good crossing and and shooting skills from either side. Looks like an all-rounder to me, an all-rounder player. Someone wrote online that he looks a little bit like Christopher Nkunku, you know, and um, mm. I wasn't sure on that, but I just thought that was an interesting comparison. And I don't mind comparisons. When people make comparisons with players, a lot of people try to shoot them down. But I quite like when people try to imagine what a player could be by creating a name to, to create that picture for you. So I mm. do think he looks very nice, but how can I say that? I have no clue about the Brazilian league. The level, the intensity, um, I just don't have a clue. But from a technique point of view, another versatile player, but I would see him as a right-sider with a right foot. You know, a right-mid, right-sider. That's how I would see him if he's going to come into our squad. But am I saying that because I know we have a gap there? You know, and maybe my eyes are telling me to fix the problem that I see. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. just wait and see. But the rumours are getting hotter, by the way. As we speak, they're getting hotter. You know, so 10 million is the number. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Well, and look, this is something that I think is really important to keep in mind. The goal right now is to win the title, win the FA Cup, win the Champions League, all that stuff, obviously. You can't mm. stop building. You, you don't want to be in a position where you've built a squad that in three seasons falls off a cliff and then you go back to being eighth and start all over again. Yes, when, look, when cycles end, you kind of have to take a step back and re- reload a little bit and rebuild a little bit, right? We saw that with the Invincible era when that ended. We went through some painful transitions. But oh, by the way, we had built a little bit at least underneath that where we had someone, for example, like a Cesc Fabregas ready to step in. I don't think there's anything wrong with us wanting to go out and get players who maybe for the next two seasons while we're trying to win everything aren't really in the picture. But three yeah. and four seasons from now, when we've moved on from some of the play, you know, some of the players have decided they want to take the next step to a Real Madrid, or some of the players have just, you know, are not going to re-up their contract. You, you're not just sitting there with a vacuum behind them. So, you know, yeah. Batello may not be a signing that you make because you're like, this guy is going to play 2,000 minutes for us this season, help us win the title. He may be a guy that you're hoping is the, the Martinelli of the next cycle. So that's okay. Yeah. You have to keep, you have to keep making those moves. You know. That's a really good point. And and who are good at that? Brighton are good at that, aren't they? When they lose Bissouma, they just bring in Kaiseido. 
you know, and it's just like done seamlessly. You know, it's incredible yeah. what they do. They, they moved McAllister on. I can't remember the guy they got came in, the one that scored against uh, Chelsea last season. Outstanding young player from, I think, from Panama. They just bring people in all the time and they're ready and they're being cooked oh, in the and background. Ciso? Is that it? That, thank you, mate. Perfect. In, yeah, and Ciso. So, mm-hmm. And Mikhail's is gone and this, trust me, he'll be forgotten very quickly because this kid's going to be special. You know, they they got Evan Ferguson in the background being cooked, you know, from Danny Welbeck's legs fall off, which won't be long, right? So they just got players coming in all the time and they cook him in the background and we have to do that. It's a really good point, Elliot, and I think... When we see these signings, it's not always to uh, to play immediately and kick your favourites out. We've got to learn to cook them. Like Marquinhos, for example, he could be one of those that we're doing that in the background with. Yeah, well said. Well, let's let's leave it there because i got to hop a flight to New York and there's going to be a lot more to cover. Um, so I, you know what? One last point I'm just going to make. I'm so glad that Kai Havertz scored because as dumb yeah, as it too. is, we live in a relentless news cycle. We live in a relentless intensity of fandom and tribalism around the game. And there is just that fact that there are people that want Kai Havertz to flop so badly. And when he yeah. had the zero in the crossing and shooting challenge in the MLS skills challenge, there were Chelsea fans literally posting the video of it and memeing it. Like that's how intense things have gotten. He scores a lovely goal. He had a good performance overall, I thought, but scored a lovely goal. Yeah. It's a nothing game of course, but it's just that little release of the pressure valve around the intensity. And and you never know. Some players are really cued into that and it can get to them. Some players couldn't give a shit. Um, and Kai Havertz strikes me as a bit of the latter. But um, I, th- I think it's just, it's just great that that happened and it, it takes a little bit of the attention off of even the notion that there's some early struggle happening for this guy. You know what? It's going to matter what he does yeah. when the real season starts, but it's good to get the pressure valve released a little bit. And that little skills show, that shows you how the world is looking at us now. They're looking at any mm-hmm. small thing to attack and destabilize us. And so creating that protective state around our club, around our team, which we fans are part of, I can see the Arsenal fans fighting back against those memes, right? So um, we are part of that protective state. And, um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge Kai Havertz fan at the moment. I don't care that he played for Chelsea because I know he's a big part of our future for the next four or five years, whatever he is. And the way he chested yep. that ball down, chested down, make sure he drops on your strong side, hit, goal, flashes in near post, goalkeeper can't even smell it, right? That stuff is repeatable, right? So... Very excited about him. I hope he's what I hope he can be for us. I've been screaming for a, a player like this, a tall forward player like this. I didn't think he'd be like him, to be honest. I, you see, in our league, and I, I never saw it. So, um, but now he's here. I'm very excited about what he could be for us. I can't wait to see him. Well said. Um, we'll leave it there. No ads for you today. So sign up for Patreon if you can. If not, love love that you're here. Any any place. Love to have you any place. We did a raucous instant reaction last night. It was absolutely hilarious if you want to check it out. Yeah, um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got lots of stuff coming still. There's going to be um, some stuff over there being done while I'm traveling. So that's hugely appreciated and very helpful. And we'll have our main pods at the regular time over the next couple of weeks. Hope to see so many people really, really excited to get out and, and, and meet everybody as always. So, Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. My name is Alex Smith, the Bachman Twitter, Yank Gunner. Thanks, everybody. We love you. 
We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Manchester United. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.